Well, I explain to my oldest son exactly what she's like. Yeah, I play a game at the end of the thing, and there's no way to cheat on the game, and yet they always say Dustin cheats, and he goes. <laughs> so he like spent the rest of the night going Dustin cheats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're surrounded. Welcome to Pajiba, the Pajiba Television Podcast. I didn't say congratulations this time. Well, it's too late now. We're moving forward. I'm Pajiba contributor Dan Hamamura. Uh, with me, as always, are Pajiba TV editor Tori Preston. Congratulations, Dan. Congratulations, Tori. Thank you for that. And uh, despite lying to us once oh in his God. introduction, Pajiba's own reliable narrator, Dustin Rolls. Mazel <laughs> <laughs> tov. Uh, that was a... Reference to everyone's favorite news show, Dispatches from Elsewhere, which we will talk about uh, in just a bit. Um, but before that, we'll do some other things. And uh, and as always, uh, what's everybody drinking? Dustin, what are you what are you drinking today? I think this is the third week in a row that I'm having a uh, 2014 bottle of 1967. <laughs> <laughs> I really that like is it. a lot of that's a lot of numbers. It's a delicious wine. I stumbled upon something that I it it's good it's a red wine I drink the whole bottle and it gets me really <laughs> drunk and it's cheap <laughs> um, I like that part of your uh, criteria is that it gets you drunk well it <laughs> used to be the opposite but I've given up I mean when okay. you drink a whole bottle right. like what that else happens seems like seems like that's a possibility <laughs> I go through like a half a bottle while we're doing this podcast and I wake up with a headache. <laughs> well, I've gotten a taste for red wine over the course of trying not to get drunk, drunk by drinking red right. wine. So, so not, instead of it preventing you from drinking more, now you just like red, red wine. wine. Yep. <laughs> okay. Oh man. We got to get you into rosé next. <laughs> Ori, what about you? <laughs> I'm drinking red wine. Um, <laughs> I bought a, uh, so I discovered this wine. Uh, it is, it, this is, oh man, this is total like suburban housewife brand Apothic. Um, they're the ones that did that cold brew infused red wine that I reviewed for the site that a couple years ago. Right. So okay. I love that wine, they just make like trashy drinkable wines. So their latest <laughs> trashy drinkable wine is called Inferno. And it is a, I'm assuming red blend because they don't even bother telling. Yes, red blend. Um, but it's aged in whiskey barrels for uh, 60 days. And uh, it's very... A whole 60 days. Sm- a whole 60 days. <laughs> yo, yo. Well, hey, it's a, does it even have a year? Yeah, it's a 2017, Dustin. <laughs> um you know, but within that couple years, it spent a you know a couple months in some whiskey barrels. It's delicious and very drinkable. <laughs> Pairs well with Twinkies. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm. I would say the crappy brownie cookies that I purchased from uh, the grocery yeah. store. <laughs> uh, as for me, I'm actually drinking wine this week. Oh. Uh, I decided white. that. Uh, it is a red, it is a Pinot Noir, 
Uh, oh, my, look at him my, with his type of red wine. Well, so here's here's what my criteria uh, was when I went to Trader Joe's, uh, R.I.P. Trader Joe. Um, the uh, I I went there and my criteria was that I wanted a wine with a screw top so that I could put it back in the fridge, uh, so I don't drink the whole thing. Right. And uh, and I wanted it to cost seven dollars. <laughs> So I looked for that, and it turns out there was a Pinot Noir called from Angeline Vineyards, uh, and it's fine. I don't know. I don't know anything about wine. What's so it, it called? Tastes like a, it's from Angeline Vineyards. There's no name for it other than oh. just Pinot Noir. Um, it's a 2018, which was a good year because that was the took back the house. So That's right. Um, there's not a political <laughs> podcast, but... It can Look, be. I don't know. It's red wine. It tastes like red wine. It's fine. I don't. I don't know anything about wine. So wow, we can come all... back tomorrow and do a Super Tuesday episode if you want. Oh, oh I mean, we can. <laughs> Technically, uh, it is that TV. will be on television. That's right. We can watch it and then review the uh, coverage. Uh, Dustin will be watching all of Fox News <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> to let you know how they are covering um, Super Tuesday. I just can can we just not to get ahead of ourselves, but can we take a moment to appreciate the fact that I think this is the first time that we've all basically been drinking the same thing, and we all are going to be talking about a show that we've all seen. This is the rare episode <laughs> where is... we are uh, we're all on the same page. <laughs> like I'm sure we're going to go off the rails immediately, but I'm right. really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go off the rails and uh, together. As a group. As a group. Um, first, we have to go through the shows that, you know, only one of us watches at a time. Um, <laughs> so uh, the first one is Doctor Who, which uh, we all watch, but I'm behind. I think I'm three episodes behind. Dustin is behind. I have never uh, been behind like this before in the history of Doctor Who, and I, I, I can't explain it, but I'm just, I'm five episodes behind. Wow. Uh, wow. But Tori is caught up and caught the season finale last night. Yes. So she wants to... She wanted to spoil it for us, basically. Yeah, I'm going to spoil it. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll spoil it quickly so it won't matter. Uh, okay. So the master, who now is uh, who is amazing, he's like probably my favorite part of this new season, um, he decided to, he came back, he has created a race of <laughs> Time Lord Cybermen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you blow them up, oh, they wait. regenerate. <laughs> wait a second. Was the... Huh. Was the, was the, the the other black uh, time lord, the other doctor. Yeah, yeah. So was doctor, she, a, she came back. Was she a cyberman? No, she wasn't. Oh, so okay. that was the other revelation of the finale. And this is this is some straight like. This is what I love about Doctor Who. The show's been going on for so long, and it's all in continuity. But it means that like you just kind of have to pile more nonsense onto the foundation yeah. of nonsense right. that preexisted. So the latest layer of whatever that they've spackled on is um, that they're basically the master went crazy because he went, he found Gallifrey, he went to Gallifrey, got into their like matrix mainframe data center and discovered like the whole history of the Time Lords. And the secret history of the Time Lords is that they were never anything special. There was this weird rift and a child came th and like an explorer, the first, the first person from Gallifrey who went into space, discovered this child. 
and brought the child back to Gallifrey because it looked abandoned. It clearly came from wherever was on the other side of this rift. Uh, and that child could regenerate. And then the explorer was also a scientist and did all these experiments and basically was able to, like, isolate the genetic Whoa. code that allowed for regeneration and injected it into all the other Gallifreyans, creating the race of Time Lords. Oh, but, that is some bullshit manifest. Oh, oh huh. wait. <laughs> guess, guess who that child was? It was the doctor. doctor. It was obviously the doctor. Yeah. So... <laughs> The whole thing is, uh, it was the Gallifreyans who decided that, like, as they're remaking their own race, that they would kind of put a cap on the number of regenerations. But the reason why the Doctor is not beholden to that cap is because, technically... the OG. Yeah, she's the OG. She's not really a Time Lord. She's what the Time Lords were made from. But they explained that kind of in the special. Right, but what I like about it was, so I think, because in the special it was like Clara whispering through that crack or whatever, and like it was supposed to be the Time Lords being like, yes, we will grant. They didn't have the power to grant it. That whole that whole moment it basically makes that whole moment null and void. Or better yet, it's like the Time Lords being like, "Yes, we'll take credit for this." Like, no, right? Uh, but so he's got infinite lives, and he's more powerful than all the Time Lords. Exactly, more powerful than all the Time Lords, but doesn't remember any of it. So that's where so that other Time Lord that they introduced that is the Doctor, um, Ruth or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. She is a uh, a regeneration from the time period that was way before the lifetime that he remembers. She, re- you know, the doctor. Right. They remember. So. What do you mean? How does how do? They so the forget? doctor has this whole like the doctor has a memory of like being a child and you know going to school with the master and all this stuff and like remembers each regeneration. But the doctor existed way before that, and the so Gallifreyans. The had yeah that. had tons of regenerations and they did all these experiments on her um so she's had multiple childhoods she's been around oh all God. this time so the only childhood that 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 she knows up until this point is her Gallifreyan childhood is that one that she lived with the master but basically right. the the revelation is no that was like that was like your god knows how many childhoods like you know you uh. were they made you back into a child but like you were a yeah, you've regenerated many times, and so that version of the Doctor came before. So whatever. It's like a whole existential crisis, and the Master's crazy and has his, like, race of, of you know, Time Lord Cybermen, so and then they all blow up, and so that goes nowhere. And wait, wait, did Ruth find out this information along with the present Doctor? No, she pops up in the finale as sort of like a mental projection uh-huh. that, like, gives the Doctor some hints, and basically it's all about the Doctor kind of going, oh... It doesn't matter if I don't remember my past because, like, I'm always awesome. And, like, that's, it's literally just, like, I'm great. Um, which is true, you yeah, know, sure. but it's a bit of a letdown. And then, so you get to the end of the episode and, like, everyone's saved, not because the doctor, like, gets out alive or whatever and, like, everyone's fine and Gallifrey kind of blows up again and got, I'm sure the master's fine, but, like, technically the master should be gone again. Um, and then the Jadoons show up and arrest her. <laughs> So the cliffhanger is she is now in Jadoon prison. Oh. So, you know, check back in for the holiday special. Yeah, but which is in Christmas. Right. But it sounds like they've already written it or filmed it or something. Something, yeah, because I've heard that um, two of the three... 
Uh, companions. Yeah. Companions will be leaving. So like, Yaz good. would stick around. But Three yeah. is a little too many. That was always yeah. too crammed. But they don't really hint at that either. It's just kind of like, she's in prison. Come back hmm. for the holidays. Yeah, oh. I'm not sure if I like that storyline or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. <laughs> it's a lot. It does sound like a manifest storyline. Yeah, it's a lot. And it kind of makes it... I do... I keep coming back to, though, like the master. I, I do like this incarnation of the master. I don't appreciate that it seems like it... I, it's just, I'm sure there's some reason how it all ties into to Missy, but the sort of like rebooting of the master where it's like, no, they're back to just being enemies and it's like Missy never existed and there was never any sort of redemption or whatever. But like, I really like Sasha Dewan. Like I just, yeah, he's great. Yeah. His, his, his master is really fun to watch. Yeah. Just absolutely fun to watch. And, and in the, the, the best part of the finale is that, it's a lot of him. Mm-hmm. The doctor actually is like barely in the finale. <laughs> so, but it also is weird because his, again, his like big scheme is very reminiscent of the John Sim. Like it's the master race only instead of turning everyone into him, it's taking over the Cybermen, but creating a, a new race to take over right. the world, the Gallup, the universe. So, that's Doctor Who. The good thing about it is that it does sound, uh, since Dustin, you pointed out that it, it sounds like Manifest, uh, it, it, you're going to love it when you catch up. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> 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 no, it's just like in Manifest, there's the, the storyline now about how they're sort of like uh, trying the time travel that they do in the show. They're trying to... Um, inject into other people through their DNA. Oh. So it's like very much like that. So the people that were on the plane, they think had their DNA altered so that they can travel like through time or whatever. You mean before the plane? Or well, no, what, the, on the plane? The, or, or the flight? The flight, the gave, flight did it? Yeah, the flight gave them these powers through their DNA somehow. Oh, okay. And those powers involve the voice that they hear? Yes, the, the, yeah, the visions. I feel like every time you bring up Manifest, you have to explain the basic <laughs> premise of the show over and over again, because, like, I do not get it. <laughs> I got off track, sorry. It, it just really reminded me of that. <laughs> no, it's not a criticism. It's just really funny. I'm like, I'm always like, and they hear voices? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were on a plane? They hear the voices uh, of thousands of doctors from the past. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, well, Manifest and the whole plan thing is a little bit like Lost. And you know what else is like Lost, but not? Mm. Survivor. Yes, yes. Seamless. Uh, Absolutely seamless. Seamless segue. <laughs> uh, Dustin and I, so, uh, Dustin, you're caught up. I am caught up. Well, okay. I, I just basically... I am a Survivor super fan, and I had to go back and rewatch a whole lot of seasons with my kids before the 40th. Right. And then um, it took us a couple weeks to get through a couple more seasons. Okay. So I am absolutely not a Survivor super fan. I watched the first season and then said, oh, okay, I get it, and then didn't watch for 39 seasons. <laughs> and yet, and- I bet... I bet even having not watched, you are drawn to Boston Robin Poverty. 
So uh, this season is amazing. Uh, I cannot believe that I have not watched this show for so long. I know. <laughs> um, I have, like, I have friends who who are hardcore Survivor uh, uh, fans, and they're they're excited. Like, they have said to me, "Oh, okay. Once the season's over, I'll I'll tell you which seasons you should watch, and like which ones you'll enjoy for like who won or who was on it or whatever." Um, oh, I can do that too. Yeah. So I I will definitely be going backwards and watching old Survivor seasons. Um, but it's, it's insane to me. So first, Rob and Parvati are amazing. Um, they're so compelling on TV. They are. And uh, I have no idea why. Who um, won? Well, nobody's won yet. It's only right. three weeks in. It has, I thought you guys were going to be talking about the finale. No. Oh, oh no, no, no. no. We're, we're, just... we're talking about the, that, that it's just started and it's insane. Oh, it so is. I could actually just jump on board. Yes. Oh, you can totally jump on board. Uh, so, so everybody, the thing that's, the reason why I wanted to watch this season was because everybody has won before, so they all know how to play the game, and they're all good at it. Um, and so the, the level of mind games that they're playing with each other is, is kind of at a, it, I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to, but it feels like it's at another level. Well, the sort of like evolution of Survivor over 40 seasons has been like okay Yule for instance he was like season 11 or 12 he mm-hmm. was completely dominant he didn't have a hiccup the entire game he just came in and he freaking won but okay. Yule in season 39 would be voted off third so the evolution of the game is like people immediately see threats and they immediately start voting out threats because right. they say they're physical threats they're you know uh, they're too clever they mm-hmm. strategize too much. So mm-hmm. to put all of these people on, it's crazy because everybody knows like the best players ever are um, basically Poverty, Boston Rob, and Sandra. So right. everybody's gunning it for them immediately. The fact that right. they've survived is amazing. Well, what? that's the part that I'm I'm confused about is like why would you, uh, why would you keep Rob or Poverty around? Yeah, like we're only three weeks in, and it's right. still it's still like because they've been in a position where potentially they could have been voted out. Um, but I think Rob has always sort of had this Godfather sort of thing about him. But the thing about Yule is, on the other side, he does the exact same thing as Rob, only mm-hmm. he's less imposing about it, and people like him. He right. basically runs the same game. Okay, but he's brilliant. He's like the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that. I think they're probably going to eventually take out Boston Rob, and but I'm hoping that his wife can help him from uh, Extinction Island. <laughs> but oh, did I, she I, get voted out, or is she? She was the first person voted out. <gasps> yeah. Um, oh no, she was second, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but but yeah, she was voted out early, uh, and um, they weren't in the same tribe, so he had nothing to do with it. But um, but yeah. Um, but now, the way the game's evolved, they have a whole other place where... So once you're voted out, you're on this other island playing these other challenges where you can kind of help people out. And then at some point, they don't know, they haven't said when yet, but at some point, right. at least one of them can probably get back into the game. Right. Ooh. But that person uh, that comes back in the game is usually voted out immediately again, which is yeah. just <laughs> hard. You're like... Because you're rooting for these people on Extinction Island... You're mm-hmm. like, come on, come on, and they finally get back, and you're like, thank you, and then they get 
booted out immediately. You're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, it's just heartbreaking. But uh, I'm just okay. for for somebody that hasn't watched for 39 seasons, I'm yeah. curious why you think that Parvati and Boston Rob are so compelling. Because I think so because I've seen them combined in you know seven or eight seasons. Right. Okay. So from my perspective. Uh, I had heard of Boston Rob before. Like he had he had permeated my cultural right. uh, bubble, um, even though I had I, I didn't watch I never I've never seen him on TV until now, um, and uh, Parvati I had no idea I didn't know who that was. Um, there's something about they're very they're so comfortable on camera and they're so mm-hmm. comfortable. Um, I don't know if I'm not going to say that this is who they are, but they're they're so comfortable playing their on camera persona that they feel as uh, interesting as like a like a really great character on a you know on a show that you love, right? Because um, there are so many people on the show, even even on this season, who they feel like basically normal people. They are kind of following, right? right. Um, for whatever reason, and some of it is kind of intangible like like it's kind of like that thing where um you can watch a really good actor who's is like great on a stage or great when it's a live performance but then you see them on camera and for whatever reason they they feel flat and like it doesn't it doesn't come through um for the two of them in particular it comes through the camera and like i think that they're um and it kind of makes sense then that their games are both about um uh emotional manipulation and about uh convincing other players to come on their side right because that that makes sense to me because that they would then also be really compelling on tv um because they're that's their superpower is that they're good at playing people they're good at being charismatic and charming and making you want to even when you know you shouldn't uh i mean you know some of this is editing and some of this is is uh you know the way that they construct the show but uh, one of the guy who was it, um, Ben was talking about how he, he's like, I know I'm talking to Rob and he's a legend and I shouldn't say oh, anything yeah, and I shouldn't yeah. give up my plan, <laughs> but then he just gets it out of me. So like, <laughs> I think that there's, I think that there's a real, well, he fanboys um, over him the whole time and then he wants to vote. Right. Out. Right. And so I think that there's a real skill to that and, and that skill can translate, uh, off the screen in a way that makes, makes them compelling to watch. Um, What's a sort of uh, interesting about Parvati and Boston Rob is that the last time that they played together, um, they were total enemies. <laughs> they were working. But that, that probably makes sense because yeah, yeah. they would be, they'd recognize uh, that the other is a threat, I right. feel like. Um, and Parvati is legitimately probably the best player ever. She, there's only one player that's ever won twice, and that's mm-hmm. Sandra, but that's right. only because uh, Sandra and Parvati were at the end. And Poverty was the clear winner, but I think she had burned so many people in the jury that they just couldn't vote for her. So they voted for Sandra because they liked her more. Right. Mm-hmm. Sandra was a goat that year. and But they every season has a goat, like the, the person they, they drag along yeah. to, to the end so that they could win by sitting next to a, you know somebody that's not very good. <laughs> and that was Sandra that year, but it backfired. Oh, okay. So I, I have a question for you since um, you have watched the show, um, and this is a spoiler for the most recent episode, which was uh, last Wednesday. Um, so Ethan got voted off. Yeah. Um, it was kind of, but it was constructed in a way where they made the vote look very much like it was going to be either um, yeah. <laughs> either Parvati 
or uh, or Adam. Um, and so they kind of, yeah, they they kind of uh, like like I thought about it later, and like when and you, I started to see, when I started to see the that there were or when they were editing it. No, 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 in the editing of like of all the planning and all the right. all the behind the scenes arguing. Um, so is that normal? Is that something that they do a lot? Because I was shocked and like I didn't feel like, uh, like when I I went I actually went back and looked at a couple of their scenes. I saw okay they did lay the groundwork for this, but it was so right. subtle to me that I was I was genuinely shocked when it turned that way. I think because I've seen so much of the show recently in the editing that I it wasn't that shocking, but usually okay. what they will do is that they will, the, the editors will make it look like it was, it's to, down to two people. Even though like the, right. the, the, the episode before when Danny got voted out, it was like mm-hmm. eight to one even. Right. And they tried to make it look like. Right. But there's no way to right. do that. And this yeah. one, I think they were, they, they did sort of hide the Ethan thing underneath everything mm. else. And then mm-hmm. sprung it out on us, but I. Kind but were you surprised by the Ethan of it all? By the fact that it was him that who got targeted? Not really. It was that. Okay. There was one player that I don't know who pulled mm-hmm. that off. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's either going to be Ethan, and she's like the greatest player in that game, or mm-hmm. it's going to be um, Adam, and that was Boston Robin Poverty pulling that off. So basically, right. what has happened now is Michelle has just put the biggest target, the planet, on her back. So right. Rob and Poverty are going to be gunning for her like crazy. Right. Well, the thing that... Sorry, Tori, I know this is no, not a, an episode that you've seen. But no, I'm fascinated. The, okay. The, the thing that, that fascinated me about that, that vote, uh, that tribal council, was that it was so clear who voted for who. Because um, Rob and his alliance, that was Rob, right. Poverty, and Ethan, all voted for Adam. Right. And Adam voted for Poverty. And everybody else voted for Ethan. Like, it was so clear but is, where the lines were drawn. funny that they would vote for Ethan instead of Boston Rob or Poverty because they're so scared. Right. Of, of, like, they're like, you know, if you come for the king, you best not miss, and they're afraid. Right, they that's the part miss. that I was, I was confused as to why they didn't go for one or the other. Um, but, uh, I don't know, it was, it was fascinating. And, and I liked that, you know, I know that it's reality TV and you edit in a way that you can right. generate the right emotional, uh, you, you can generate the right reaction, you know, just by putting in the right shot. Uh, but there's a shot of Adam, I think it's right after the vote happens, and he looks so shaken. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I, I just saw that shot, and I'm like, I know this is fake, but it's still working on me that that he looks like his plan completely backfired, and he he, he knows and he he's knows cooked. and he knows everybody knows. Yeah, is the thing. He's a little weasel too. Oh, <laughs> can't believe they brought him back. <laughs> but it's great because he's he's very, he's a good foil for. Uh, he's been he's been willing to in in the um, interview segments been willing to kind of play the foil to Rob and be like, right. yeah, maybe it's time for someone else to, you know, be the king and not like, not a, like Rob should learn how to play the game. Like I do. Well, I'm just, uh, out of curiosity, who do you think will win? Uh, okay. So I don't think, even though Rob and Parvati, I can see how, like I can clearly see how good they are at the game. I think that that gives that puts too much of a target on their backs. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not gonna. Um, make I it. don't think they can win. I think um, I don't think Adam can win. No, no. Uh, I feel like it's probably someone from the other tribe, but we haven't 
spent much time with the other, other tribe because they're so because they've been winning the challenges. Uh, I I don't think it's Tony. He's too he's too loud and brash, yeah, and yeah. he's gonna make a mistake. Um, I don't think it's uh, is it Sarah's the other cop? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's Sarah. Um, I kind of feel like it could be Yule, except that it seems like people know what he's doing. Yeah, it kind of depends. If Yule can, if he can continue to sort of like go under the radar and still control right. the game, then he'll be right. fine. But I don't think he's going to be able to do that in this season. Yeah, like I, like I feel like Yule has a shot if he can if, when they get to the merge. Uh, if if basically if he can survive he's still until good then, at challenges. And uh, and then that that a couple of the other, uh, I, I think he he need, he needs one of the other big personalities to still be there, like either Rob right. or Parvati, to um, keep and then maybe he can yeah. slide through. Um, do There's you a, have a prediction or? I, I think Yule, if he can slide under the radar, or um, there's a player named Kim who almost got voted out with Amber. They were trying to decide between Kim and Amber in that that episode. Oh right, right. She, besides Yule, played the best game I've ever seen of Survivor. Mm-hmm. So I think that she, if she can get a purchase somewhere, you know, just get some leverage somewhere, she's going to be yeah. able to run it too. Mm-hmm. She, if, if she gets together with Yule, one of those two will go. Yeah. Um. So here's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think the two of you need to... I think we, not fantasy football it, because I don't understand how that works, <laughs> but I think that you guys need to pick your, your you know, yes. racehorse here, oh, okay. and, and we, we do weekly check-ins to okay. see I'm okay with that, yeah. who wins, Sure. Um, who, who stays in the game the longest. Right. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Kim. All right. You're going to go with Kim? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I'm going to stick with Yule. Uh. Also, he's the only Asian yeah, in there, yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know. It's funny, uh, they've, I, they've had a lot of Asian uh, characters over the years. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, they're people? Sorry. <laughs> that's the... No, no, but that's what I'm saying, is like, right. besides Yule, most of the Asian players have been Asian characters. There have been a lot of, like, very... I, I don't know what it is. There was, like, one guy, um, his name was Chicken, I think. And he would make fun of Asian stereotypes while being an Asian stereotype. And he, oh, yeah, Yule was on that season. And Yule would be like, dude, shut the fuck up. You've <laughs> got to stop making fun of Asian people. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's been sort of interesting in that way, too. Uh, all right, Tori, have you? Are you convinced to catch up at least on this season? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's it's really fun. It's it's like shockingly fun. I'm I'm shocked at how much I'm enjoying it. And I will try to catch up, and then I'll I'll join the game. I'll I'll right. pick my winner. Oh, uh, sort of side note, um, poverty. Who hasn't been played since season twenty? I think. Um, so it's been ten years. But she comes back and she's married now. But what I didn't know until tonight was that she's actually married to a former survivor. Who is it? Uh, John Fincher, a guy I don't remember. Oh, yeah. She, she, I remember hearing that she had met 
It, it's like they there's like a there's like a whole subculture. Now. Right. Yeah. Like like in much in the same way that I can't I'm I'm uh, ashamed that I know this uh, about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, but there's like a whole like people who are on these shows just become friends because there's right. like a like they meet each other and ask each other tips and stuff like that. So well, and there's always reunion shows or they right, always bring right. people back, so you end up meeting people on different seasons, right, and right, stuff right. like that. But I thought she dated. Didn't she date Jeff Probst at one point, or was that a different player? Uh, you know, Jeff Probst did date a, a Survivor player, but I don't remember who it was. Oh, that I did not know. But do you know, Yeah, I told you guys who Jeff Probst is married to. No, who? Um, Mark Paul Gosselier's ex-wife. So he's the stepdad to Mark, to Zach Morris's kids now. Whoa. Huh. Isn't that Yo, weird? Yeah, Hollywood is tiny. <laughs> It's a tiny, <laughs> tiny place. <laughs> oh, uh, the he um he dated a Survivor contestant named Julie Berry, who does not ring a bell to me whatsoever. Oh, okay. But there's been so um, many seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forty and seasons, twenty years. It's fun to watch Jeff Probst if you like bounce around in seasons and see the way he ages and sort of doesn't age. And then Benjamin yeah. Buttons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I will say about the show, having not watched in 20 years, uh, is the the way the, the puzzles at the end are very cool. Like, I, I was I was kind of impressed by that. Because I knew that there were, the, the uh, tribal challenges were, like, physical. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was a puzzle aspect to them, too. I think the puzzles um, have, like, improved a lot. And yeah, but it's it's cool, and to see, and I can, in my brain, I'm like, God, that would be exhausting to have to go through this physical thing, and then you have to put together a fucking puzzle, and everyone's <laughs> yelling at you to, like, come on, do it, and, like, you know, you could you could be out of the game if you fail. Um, oh, that, uh, that, we were talking about the subculture, um, so yeah. there's a lot of survivor community, but they are, go along with the Big Brother and Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. So and then a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, incest between those three shows. So Natalie, uh, the first person voted out, she was on Amazing Race like three times with her identical twin sister. Oh, what? okay. And, then, and her sister was also on Survivor. Yes, right? and she was voted out first that season. So uh, uh, when the kids watch Survivor, sometimes they're like they know people from Amazing Race because we watched all those because they'll show up over here. Ethan was on Amazing Race and got voted out like I think he's been on Amazing Race twice. Oh. I did not know that. Yeah. And Boston Rob and Amber were on uh, Amazing Race one year. Wasn't so was Mike Judge. (laughs) Yes but Mike Judge no no Mike White. Mike White that's it sorry. He was on (laughs) Amazing Race twice he was on Survivor once, twice, or once. I forget if he was on Survivor once or twice, but he made it to the very end in one season. And he, I didn't know that. He, uh, he would have won, uh, but the guy that he was up against, he, who was on this year's uh, 40, uh, the guy he was up against was a more sympathetic. And Mike White, was, they were like, we're not going to give this guy a million dollars. He's a screenwriter. Right. Oh, who won, <laughs> who won that season? Do you remember? Uh, I can see him. I can't. He's like the lawyer from Kentucky or something. He's uh, not. 
He's not made a big splash this season yet. Was it Nick Wilson? Yes, yes. <laughs> He's the only one who I'm like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the cast photos, and I'm like, I still don't know who that is, and I know I've seen him on TV for three weeks. Yeah, he beat Mike White because Mike White was like, you know, I don't really need yeah. the money. Uh, makes sense. That's one of my favorite parts. Like when you get to the end stage of Survivor, and it's like the people who have made it by backstabbing or, or playing, right. you know, playing the game to whatever degree that they they did, and then they're facing everyone that didn't make it. So it's not about their ability. It's also just like those are people that are bitter that they can't get the money, and now they have all the power <laughs> yes. in seeing who does get the money. Right. And it's so fascinating to see like where that. That those winds shift to, right. like, are they? Because then it, it's like, no matter how good the game was, if people just don't like you, or if you ticked off enough people, or they just are like, you don't need the money. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think most seasons, it's by the time you get to the end, you kind of know. So like, there's a lot of seasons where we get like to the last episode, and we're like, all right, let's, let's just fast forward and get to the end and see the obvious. Mm-hmm. The difference was that Sandra and um, Poverty season, because you're like, Poverty's clearly going to win this, but we know that Sandra's won it. How? What the hell happened? Right. Yeah. Well, we Tori, should, I'm glad we're going to have gonna a, up. Yeah, we're going to have a Survivor podcast at some point in a few yeah. months. Like, we might even have producer Seth on to discuss it, because oh, yes, apparently he right. watches the show as well. Obsessively, uh, yes. Yeah. Which is great, and if you can send all of your Survivor hot takes to <laughs> producer Seth at Love Spackle on Twitter. Wait, how do you spell that? Uh, L U V S P A C K L E. You should definitely tweet at him while Survivor is airing. Oh, that's um, that's his favorite time. To yeah, be, to get notifications. He's he's on the West Coast, but feel free to do that while it's airing on the East Coast. Oh, feel free to spoil it for him. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because he he doesn't he doesn't like surprises, so. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. It's better. It's better that he knows who won before he watches. <laughs> oh, God. If that ever actually happens, he's gonna be mad. He's gonna kill us. <laughs> so please, definitely do it. Do it. It's okay. Um, but don't say that we no. just just do it. Yeah. We had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Don't don't snitch. I mean, come on. Yeah. No. Um, uh, we still haven't arrived at our main topic tonight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Before we do, very briefly, real quick, um, uh, we don't normally talk about kind of news and, and things that are uh, uh, kind of like the business side of things, but this really, this struck me as kind of surprising, um, so I just wanted to talk about it briefly, is uh, it, it came out uh, last week that uh, America Ferrara is leaving Superstore, um, which is on NBC. They're in their I think their fifth season, and they've already been picked up for another season. Um, but it's kind of surprising because she's uh, she's you know kind of the the lead of the show, and she's a producer on the show, and it's it's pretty rare for for uh, for a lead like that to leave. Um, and I know I know Dustin definitely watches the show as I do. Um, I just wanted to see get a reaction basically. Briefly. I, I it, it, when I first heard, I thought, well, you know, it'll be fine because it's a really talented uh, vast ensemble, but she actually, I mean, she grounds that ensemble so well. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think, I think they need to bring in somebody new to replace her. I don't think you can replace her with somebody from the inside. 
Mm-hmm. You need the fresh face. Right. I mean, because I think one of you mentioned it. It's, it's sort of like when Steve Carell left The Office. Right, right. Where it's like all, you know, it is an ensemble, and it's not just about that one character, but that character, you know... Right. ...is the center of so much of the action. So when you lose... It, never was, it was never the same without him. Mm-hmm. Right. And they had that whole sort of like... Who's the new boss? Right. And, and I think right. here they just need to find a new boss... Somebody yeah. new and stick with it. Yeah. Don't just... Well, I mean, if you want to bring in Idris Elba for like an episode yes, or yeah, two, that's... You know. <laughs> or all of it. Oh, I, like forgot, I forgot that, that, was him, that he was on The Office. <laughs> well, they had uh, what they had Will Ferrell, they had Oliphant, they had uh, Idris, they had Jim... James Spader for a while. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was wow. weird. That was weird. And then didn't Kathy Bates come in? Am I... Or did oh, I imagine right. that? think so. Shh. Is that right? Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember if it was her, but it was somebody of that caliber. Uh-huh. And they had Odenkirk do Bizarro, uh, Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Odenkirk was up for originally as uh, he was almost uh, Michael Scott in the first place. Oh. That would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah. He would have stuck it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was he going to do? Go have a movie career? What? Like, no, he wasn't going to go have a movie career. He would have been on The Office. Okay, but then if he was on The Office, then... Um, Steve Grell then he's never on Zal. He's never on Breaking Bad. Right. Right? Did they cross... Did, were they airing at the same time? I don't remember when The Office... Um, well, you know, I, I feel like maybe... Office started in, what, 2007? It ran about 17 to 24. Yeah, so yeah, they ran. He, he might have been able to guest star on Breaking Bad, so maybe it's okay. Maybe maybe that this part of his career is intact. Yeah. But would he have taken a random guest star role on Breaking Bad if he had been the lead of The Office for seven years? I feel like he... I'm going to pretend that he would have. Okay. So everything <laughs> else is the same except uh, Bob Odenkirk... Uh, was on The Office for seven years and Steve Grell is uh, still doing Apatow movies as yeah. like the fifth lead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Grell. Which is kind of what he's doing now. Yeah, I was going to say it's... Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Well, what is he doing He's now? doing John Stewart's new movie which looks a little bad. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like the third lead in the Apple show but that Apple show is really good. The morning show. Oh, right. The morning show. Yeah. You know, I, you said the Apple show and it took my brain several seconds to realize what you were talking about. Right. (laughs) But also like the Apple TV is kind of like, nobody pays Uh, attention anymore. Yeah. I mean, I watched Mythic Quest. What do you want from me? No, that was great. And the morning show was great, but I think that's all I've seen. Well, Mythic Quest was great. I wrote the streaming guide this weekend, and I can't remember what was coming on Apple TV this week. Amazing stories. That's right. right. (laughs) Thank you. I only remember because uh, that's been in the works for like three years. Yeah. I mean, before Apple TV was a thing. Yeah, I mean, they started writing it like three years ago. Um, But they're still only doing five episodes. Yeah, it it it's gone through. I mean, Brian Fuller was supposed to uh, was running it at one point and then left. As he does uh, everything, um, and then um, <laughs> and then they brought in. I think the guys who did Once Upon a Time, yeah, yeah, no, Kitsis and Horowitz, Kitsis and Horowitz, oh. yeah. yep. 
Because the other guys that did Once Upon a Time went to do Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, not those guys, but yeah. the other guys. Not the other guys. Um, but uh, anyway, if you have Apple TV <laughs> Plus... Don't bother. Yeah, that's what you call it. Because like then, Hulu and FX are now Hulu and FX, or FX on Hulu. Well, it's, it's FX all the on same Hulu. thing, right. yeah. and it's amazing. Uh, uh, Dustin, Devs is not out yet. We're not talking about... Sorry. We're, we're talking no, about FX next week. Breeders come we'll out. It came out tonight, though. I'm excited. Yeah. About but it. Breeders is on FX proper, right? But it's also on FX on Hulu. Right, but Devs is only going to be on FX on Hulu. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's, so. a, it's an exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Exclusive FX on Hulu? Yeah, it's a streaming-only yeah. show. just Hulu. <laughs> no, it's no. FX on Hulu starring Nick Offerman. How can it be an Dustin, FX on okay. Hulu show Branding if it's not matters. on FX? Because it's on FX on Hulu. So the whole point is that they have all of the FX library and they also have 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 exclusives. Like, I don't... What part of this? <laughs> Which, granted, they kind of had before, but they've got more plus exclusives. So everything that's FX on Hulu exclusive to Hulu is FX on Hulu and not just Hulu? It's not, All of FX it's is not exclusive to Hulu, but and mm-hmm. also you also have FX on Hulu, mm-hmm. which it's just on Hulu. Mm. And there's a, yeah the exclusives. So um, there's there's devs and a couple other shows <laughs> that will not air on FX. That sounds like a Hulu show. The important thing is that oh it needs, you need to know that uh, FX on Hulu is the only place that you can see uh, uh, Thief starring. Uh, uh, under Bauer. Brain just exploded. Andrew Andre Bauer. Let me ask you this: um, Do you have to pay extra for FX on Hulu more than you, you do not? Pay? Because no. they're all owned by Disney. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you don't have to. Which is kind of it is nice. Like yeah. you don't for once you don't have to pay extra. My problem was I went to Hulu thinking I could watch Dispatches from Elsewhere, only to find out that it's an AMC <laughs> show. Oh, yeah. I was like, why the hell is I go like FX on Hulu? It launched. What the hell? Right. Yeah, um, no, it's not an FX show. No. But it is funny, like, the ads that they're they're airing to, like, say, like, FX on Hulu. Here's all of our, like, great mm-hmm. shows. And it's all about, like, how many awards FX has won and, like, what a great channel it is. Right. Um, and I just keep thinking, I'm like, yeah, because you look at devs and it, like, that show should win awards. And it probably won't because it's on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're asking what the difference between a Hulu original and an FX on Hulu original is, one looks like it should win awards. Yeah. Well, FX has won awards. I'm saying FX wins tons of awards. But so does Hulu. Hulu. Handmaid's Tale. Do uh, they? Yeah, what for is the, Hulu? The, the Handmaid's Tale, yeah. right? I don't know. That's that, I never yeah, watch it. The one. Looks too de- it's depressing. Uh, you know what's not depressing? <laughs> Dispatches from elsewhere, which we just brought up. <laughs> We're finally to our main yes. topic. Um, this episode is not going to go long at all. Um, <laughs> a show that we have all seen. Yeah. This is a rare moment for this podcast. Oh, even more rare. A show that we all like, yes. I right. think. Even Dustin. Although, although Dustin, didn't you not like it the first yeah. time you watched it? Well, yeah. Well, I watched it while I was nodding off and falling asleep. I, I, I do that a lot. I'm trying to watch TV at night, and it's like midnight, and I haven't slept, and I'm nodding off, and everything gets weird. So mm-hmm. imagine watching that opening while you're like half in the bag. Okay, wait, no. So you have to understand, this is the way Dustin introduced this show to us, which yeah. was, um, 
I hate it, but I feel like you'll like it, Tori, because it's weird. <laughs> and then he comes back a couple days later and is like, I rewatched it. I love it now because mm-hmm. I'm awake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's weird in a way that you would like. And you were absolutely right. I did love it. That intro that drove you nuts, I was like right. I immediately sold. Oh, yeah, I was in from the beginning. So like this. <laughs> so just to, just to, so that we're not completely losing the people who haven't seen it yet, um, Dispatches from Elsewhere, it's a uh, uh, potentially anthology series. Is that right, Tori? Yes, I believe. Um, uh, created by Jason Siegel, also starring Jason Siegel, uh, from, you know, How I Met Your Mother, and, uh, you know, the movies Muppets. that we don't talk about because, you know, movie, movie <laughs> this is not a movie podcast. No. Um, he was on Freaks and Geeks, too. So, mm. you know, there yeah. you go. TV. Um, TV. Anyway. He, he was on. Um, uh, but it's it's based loosely on a documentary and about a, uh, about a, a real life uh, alternate reality game social experiment kind of thing that happened about 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's loose. The. I don't know how to describe the opening. Basically, he he's a guy who's kind of stuck in modern life and has he an uninteresting life. He is like ennui personified. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like. And then uh, and then he he kind of by chance happens upon this game and gets gets himself sucked in, meets some other people who will will get to meet more. Uh, the second episode is airing tonight as we're recording, um, but we'll uh, we'll get to meet them more down the line. Um, but it sound, it seems kind of like a, it, it felt a little like it's about try, like people, ordinary people breaking out of kind of like the ordinary life. Uh, um, yeah. There, there was a, there was a line in the, in Richard Grant's opening where he serves as the narrator and also in the show itself as kind of like a mysterious figure. Um, but he he talks about how uh, how this character is existing but not living, and so it it se- it suggests at least that that the show is going to be about these people learning how to live life versus just existing, going through your normal day to day. Yeah, and like the the potential for there being kind of like magical experiences around you, and so it, right. it employs a lot of magical realism mm-hmm. um, or surrealism or all these kind of weird uh, trippy tricks. But it's also it's it's the characters that is part of the mystery. It is manufactured for them. Mm-hmm. And so there's the level of like their perception broadening, but also this organization that is running a kind of a social experiment. Um, and so you, the, the blurring between like how much of it is actually the plot and how much of it is sort of filming technique that they employ um, gets kind of interesting. Cause it is about like these characters getting getting shaken from their doldrums mm-hmm. um and it's and yeah the way that they they get in, involved in it is there's a flyer and the, you know he he pulls a number from it calls it they make him come to this strange meeting they give him this this strange um kind of induction and then he he gets a note saying not to trust that person and he goes on the run <laughs> and all of it happens just because he's a guy who does exactly what he's told mm-hmm. right you know, which was also sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, Richard E. Grant uh, as the narrator slash like 
possibly villain, possibly <laughs> like, you know, uh, head of some shadowy organization. Um, it also felt like it was funny finding out that it was based on a documentary of a real experiment that happened. Right. Because watching it, to me, it felt like somebody made a TV show based on, they're like, there would, it's, it seems like it should just be a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like there's a weird welcome to Night Vale ish, like. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't quality. make that connection, but yeah, now that you say that, I I, like, I can totally hear that. I was like, this is based on a podcast. I was like, oh no, somebody like <laughs> actually went out into the world and got people to do this thing. Um, but yeah, so they just follow clues or they have to unravel a mystery that's mm-hmm. happening that that's been set up for them, but you don't know the point of it. Um, and it's got uh, so it's it's uh, Jason Siegel. And Sally Field is in it. Andre three thousand is in mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's but then and it's Eve Lindley, who's like Eve yeah, Lindley the, is yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's like becoming like the the sort of draw of the show. Weirdly, yeah. There was a great interview with her too because she was talking about like how how excited she was to get this part, but also um, how she's like, yeah, you know, this was an an opportunity to to take a starring role, which doesn't come along often for for trans actors mm-hmm. um, and ones that are you know in depth. And she was able to like give feedback, notes to Jason about her character and stuff like that, and have it incorporated into the show. But then she's like, you know, now I'm still looking for like another job, and oh, it's no. all smaller roles, so I'm probably going to get a day job again. Like, <laughs> you know, wow. It was a it was a fascinating interview because she's she's really practical about it. She had like yeah. given up on acting for a while and been like walking dogs or you know, mm. working as a barista doing all this other stuff. And 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 uh, I think it was Laverne Cox like on Orange Is the New Black, inspired her to 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 start going to auditions again. Mm-hmm. And so this show is great, but she's very realistic afterwards, being like, I might, you know, oh, yeah, I'm I probably going to start a, a day job again. I think people are going to see her in this and. She's gonna get a lot, yeah. of, lot of roles. I hope, I hope so. so. Yeah, because she was. She. I mean, uh, we, we again. We're recording this Monday night, so we haven't seen the second episode yet. Uh, but I in the first half episode, the she's. Episode. Oh well, how dare you? I'm sorry, <laughs> but second. <laughs> but very but good. She, she's no, but she's great, and she's uh, she's really compelling and mysterious, uh, and I don't know, like yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what else uh, she gets to do in the over the course of the season. And she is genuinely like, I mean, it seems like they're setting her up as the love interest, and mm-hmm. um, she is, yeah, her character Simone. Um, each 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 of the four core actors kind of has their own unique perspective on the events, right? Um, so you have the skeptic who is, you know, assumes it's all a conspiracy and that is Fredwin who is is Andre 3000 and then you have How do you spell uh, that? <laughs> Fred <laughs> I looked it up so uh Fred and then the win is I believe W Y N N. Um and then you have uh and Sally Field is she thinks it's all she, is she the one that thinks it's a no she thinks it's a game no, or she a prank. thinks it's a practical a prank. She thinks yeah. it's a practical joke, and yeah. then Simone thinks it's all a game. She's yeah. just like, this is exciting. Who cares? Like, let's just have fun. And right. then you've got Jason Siegel, who's like, he's the he's the true believer. He's like mm-hmm. the, you know, the guy who, who needs it all to be real because it's giving him... He didn't realize there was a hole in his life until this, this kind of came in and filled it. Right. I don't know so. how he couldn't tell from the sushi he was eating in his... The convenience store sushi he was eating oh, in God, his bed. It was so 
<laughs> or burrito. So you know, sometimes a burrito. It was so sad. Oh, that poor sad man. <laughs> Is it bad that I saw that and I was like, oh wow, I see a lot of myself. Like I see a lot of my life in that <laughs> life. It's not bad. Richard E. Grant said in the beginning that you just start. He's you. That's, That's right. true. Except I didn't have to squint like he said. Like I just was kind of like my eyes were wide open, and I was like, oh. Yeah, that is kind of like, except that I don't go anywhere. So um, if you take away the going, going somewhere and then going coming back office. home part, <laughs> definitely looks like my life. Basically what I'm saying is, if there is an alternate reality game out there, uh, I am 100% going to call that phone number. Yeah, but well, you have to, to leave your house to find the flyer. Well, that's true. I, I do have to go to the grocery store. So you know. Okay, so hang the, the flyer sushi. up. Yeah. To get the sushi. Yeah. <laughs> the bodega around the corner. Look, so. I live in a Japanese neighborhood. My uh, local around the corner sushi is okay. So, Only jokes okay? on you. Well, it's fine, you know. But we're, we're talking about like right. bodega sushi, not like, and you know, restaurant sushi. Peter lives in Philly, so he's getting <laughs> right. <laughs> sushi from a <laughs> Philly bodega, which is not okay. <laughs> Um, oh no. no! Um, did you guys catch this scene? This was one of my favorite scenes in the in the premiere, um, where they meet up in the park and mm-hmm. you know, like following the clues or whatever. And he he sees Simone, and it's supposed to be this like slow motion, like they meet each other's eyes and she waves, but it's clearly not shot. Like it's not a scene that was slowed down. They clearly have her walking. It like pretending it's slow motion. Oh, did you notice that? I don't think I did. It's. I'm pretty sure. Like it. It wasn't. It wasn't like a clip that was slowed down to yeah. create a slow motion. So you're it saying was, like whatever. For example, I don't know if there's. I don't remember if there's anything in the background. But if there's anything in the background, that's moving at normal speed. And she's yeah, and there wasn't a whole lot moving. And yeah. but yeah, it's like you can kind of see from the way she's moving that it's not. It's not like. She's trying to make it look natural, but right. it's yeah. Like I, she, I, I'm gonna have she to go back and look at it. She slowly turns and like waves and smiles, <laughs> and it's like they were like just pretend you're doing this all in slow motion. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> there are these weird little details that are just are very subtle. Yeah. Um, but all add to the kind of you know vibe of the piece. So like the right. the you know animated. Uh, departure you know right. they do dual screen and it's like what's happening in the show and then an animated version of what's happening in the show like, right for no reason um, I, so i oh go ahead Dustin. No, i was just gonna say the, the when i watched it initially i thought it was going to be a very weird very twin peaks like pretentious um <laughs> self-involved <laughs> mess of a show but uh that was only the introduction which in retrospect, is actually really good. It's a fantastic introduction. It's a very <laughs> okay. So and it reminded me of the Dharma Initiative videos. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You said that in your recap. It was yeah, yeah. that was very accurate. Except that it's before Richard E. Grant even starts talking, he just <laughs> looks straight at camera and yeah. like slowly smiles, and it goes on for so so long, long. For, for for just just too long <laughs> for you. And you're like. Is something wrong with my TV? What happened? <laughs> Guys, I loved this show before a word of dialogue was uttered. Like, I could watch that. Like, just put that on a loop. <laughs> mm. 
So it's, it's interesting to me because I feel like, and again, we, we're only going off of uh, one episode or for Dustin, one and a half because Dustin cheats. Mm. Right. Uh, but uh, the, I, I'm just curious to know what, what it is that, that kind of grabbed you about the show. So Tori, it was the intro and just like the, the surreal nature of it, it seems like. Yeah, I like the blending of it and I like the fact that I mean, I was even in, I thought it would get annoying. I, uh-huh. I'm really into characters just experiencing general malaise and ennui. And I, I kind of, uh-huh. <laughs> so I was totally down with that. I'm like, yeah, yeah like life is boring. Like totally get this. Um, but I think it's also the fact that it's a show built on mysteries, mm-hmm. but where the solution, like I want to know what's happening, but I'm not. I'm not driven to the next episode looking for answers. Right, right, yeah. I like that they've constructed it so that it is the journey and it is the characters and it is the, I want to see all the twists that happen. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice feeling to have because there are so often with these, these sort of shows where there is this looming mystery and you know that no matter how good it is along the way, if that mystery is a letdown, right. that will ultimately kind of change how you view the show. Right. And so when you kind of have this thing of like, I know something will be revealed, but you've already got from the setup. It's like, you know, whatever's going on, it's one of these four options. You know, it's either a prank, a game, you know, a conspiracy, or it's 100% real. And it, and the stakes are low. It doesn't really matter. So I, Mm -hmm. you just have the journey. Right. Um, and so I, yeah, I like that there is a mystery that I don't really have to care about. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel no anxiety about trying, no. about needing to solve <laughs> this immediately. Yeah. yeah. And so you get to the end and there's not a cliffhanger. It's just, I want to go to the next episode yeah. because I want to, I, I want to see the next weird thing that I don't, I, there is nothing to predict. Right. Right. It's all the things that I can't predict that are driving me. Right. I want to know more about these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm on board with all of that. And the other part of it that, uh, I think Dustin, I think you touched on this in your, uh, in your review, um, is that there is a, there's kind of an optimism in it mm-hmm. infused in this show, at least through the first episode that, um, you don't see that much and, um, kind of miss it. it. Yeah. And it reminds yeah. me of, uh, the, my, number one show of last year when I horribly betrayed Tori <laughs> and our alliance, oh. uh, Lodge 49, which oh, is yeah. also on yeah, AMC. Yeah. Um, but it, it leg- legitimately, this reminds me of that, not in the structure of the show or anything like that, but just in the in way the vibe. that... In the vibe and the feel of, like, that there is magic in the ordinary world and that uh, and that there's value to that and, and, and value to kind of, like, exploring... Uh, uh, the uh, the the wonder of that through the eyes of kind of ordinary people, um, and I don't know it 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 kind of left me with a with with kind of a warm feeling, but not in a not in a you know uh, after school special kind of like here's a lesson kind of way. Yeah, not <laughs> j- spoon j- fed, but yeah, but just in a just in a oh yeah, there is you know if you uh, with that optimism of like oh yeah, if you do open your eyes and you go out in the world and you meet people. And you know there is uh, more to 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 discover out there than you thought. Think this show has any chance of getting an audience more than the lodge? 
I think <laughs> it does because it has much bigger uh, auspices. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Like there, there are bigger names attached to it. Um, people know who Jason Siegel is, Richard Grant, Sally Field. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, I also heard 3, nothing, but I heard nothing about this show until Dustin said he hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and then took it back. Like, it is weird. It has these huge names. But right. I, I've only, I did. Yeah. I did hear about it once before that, but only once. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like they're, they they're kind of. They it to Walking Dead, so that was like, which is like the audiences are completely different, but that is also the biggest show on cable, so. Right. It's going to get. I, I think that they're, they're kind of slow burning it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that their goal, uh, I mean, I don't know. But my, my, my guess is that their their goal is just to like we, we just want people to find it and like it enough and then and then if they do then you know then they'll do another season. But And this is did you did either of you watch Maniac on Netflix? I watched it. <laughs> I did not <laughs> ringing endorsement. I didn't uh, I, I it's on my list. But it's I'm very trying different. to think if I finished Maniac. I think I did, but I don't think I liked it. It wasn't. It was fine. Um, There are parts of it that reminded me of that, except that Maniac, you know, in that there is this organization and some strange tests and these characters experience, you know, these sort of um, only they're actually like stepping out out of reality and into these like weird mental um, adventures uh, that change genres. But there's. Uh, some of those underlying, like the, the connections that you make and, and the magic finding, you know, this, this possibility of, of magic um, did feel very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference being that, you know, maniac kind of had this because the main characters are all essentially like mentally ill. They're there, they're taking an experimental drug for uh, their, you know, to, to get better. Um, there's kind of this built-in remove where it's like maybe that's only possible for them. And so this has this very, it's, they're just everyday people that they're, they don't have to be sick, which was something I didn't, I didn't, it didn't bother me in Maniac until I started watching Dispatches from Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was actually an interesting take where it's like, it's mm-hmm. doing a lot of the same things Maniac is doing. Only it doesn't have to, it, it just has a different conceit around it and different, um, yeah, I guess the characters, it, you know, it, it kind of, un- so it underscores that, that message of like mm-hmm. the, the magic in the everyday and, and, and forging connections and stepping outside of your, um, your everyday life. Cause that's really what it is. It's just. It's break your routine and right. find it's something new. It's just a new. Dave Matthews song right. come to life. I mean, at the end of the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you like it. Oh, I love it. Uh, I think that, that tells us that we're, we've reached the end of our discussion. And when Dave Matthews gets <laughs> When Dave Matthews up. is invoked. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to, I mean, I'm excited to watch tonight. And uh, it's rare that I watch a show uh, night of. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to get through the whole episode, but you guys insisted on having a podcast tonight. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) Well, (laughs) now I know uh, how we're going to play the game. 
um, off of that. So, good job, Dustin. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Oh, now uh, I'm scared. No, no, no. On on the game. So this is this. I don't know if this is gonna work, but um, I wanted to try it out. So, uh, so, so for I haven't explained the game at all, which no. I, I realized just now, which um, really uh, hampered my ability to cheat. No, to cheat. Yeah. yeah. So, Dustin, you're gonna cheat either way, but we'll <laughs> we'll do our best. Um, so you guys might remember, this is only uh, Dustin and Tori who know this, but in our uh, Slack <laughs> discussion about this, there was a point this weekend where I put three, I, I wrote three, five, seven, and then in parentheses, this is a reminder for myself. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to play kind of like a, a version of an improv game where um, I don't remember what the improv game is actually called. But um, basically, the three five seven refers to the number of words we're allowed to use. So uh, we're going to talk about a topic. Uh, there's no real winning. This is just for us to be weird. Um, but uh, the, the the rule is that uh, we can only use either three, five, or seven words, and you have to use oh exactly God. that number of words. So Dan I'm going to be three us to do improv. While so I'm drunk. three. While counting? I'm, yeah. Well, look, I'm also drunk, so don't worry about that. Uh, I'm going to be three, Dustin will be five, and Tori will be seven. Uh, and our topic is going to be the musical, uh, the musical number from, from SNL. John Mulaney hosted for, is this his third time hosting? Yes. I think. So it's his yep. third time hosting, and the third time that he got to do a musical sketch. Uh, <clears throat> like a Broadway me. medley. Right, a Broadway medley. Uh, the first one, I, I, I'm kind of wondering now whether the first one really was a rejected sketch from when he was a writer because they've allowed him to do it two more times. But it's, but it's always the best sketch of the night when he hosts. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, so this one was the... Uh, I don't... I, look, that's racist. How dare you, Dustin? That is, that is racial Christ. profiling because, look, I just had to clear my throat. Anyway, look, that's not neither here nor there. Um, oh, man. So they did the uh, the bodega. Uh, they, they did one at the bodega. What was the second one? Or was it well, bodega? no, the first one was lobster at a diner. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Lob, diner, lobster, bodega, bathroom. bathroom. And then right. this one is LaGuardia Sushi. Yes. <laughs> so... So uh, we're gonna just we're gonna talk about it, except we are limited to you. You can speak as many times as you want. We don't have to go in order, but you're limited to the number of words uh, you're given. So I'm three, Dustin is five, Tori is seven. So uh, I'll start. So, Sorry, Dustin, you had a question before we start. So we can only say five words. At a time. You can okay. only say that many words at a time. And then someone else has to speak. And then, and then you can go again if you have something okay. else. I have no idea how this is going to work. Jake, <laughs> okay. Let's Jake Gyllenhaal's high wire act was fantastic. I'm using my fingers to count. Oh. <laughs> that was very good, Tori. Thank you. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Um, David Byrne really sealed it. (laughs) (laughs) He Uh, was inspiring. (laughs) His character throws suitcases into 
the river. Ooh. Huh. Ooh. The sound, actually. <laughs> you can't just take pauses. <laughs> You're going to do everything in three words first. That's the rule. I only have three words at a time. Yo, wait, time out. Uh, you no time out you can't. This. Take pauses, everything. I think I actually used seven words before, but now I've lost it. Yo, this is hard. Yeah, okay. it's hard. The anyway. drawback was Gyllenhaal background. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Gyllenhaal was great, but... You were saying? <laughs> Dustin is cheating right now. <laughs> I mean. Tori he, is right. <laughs> he couldn't move with burn. Oh. Because of wires. <laughs> the wires made it worth it, duh. <laughs> Hashtag Dustin cheats. <laughs> No one likes you, Dan. (laughs) We do remember other things than Jake. (laughs) Do we, Tori and Dan? (laughs) Uh, Oh, uh, Keenan was the phantom as a goose. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, but seriously, airport sushi is deadly. Yes. Like, come on. But I have sushi. (laughs) (laughs) Need words, Dustin? (laughs) From Hannaford, the grocery store. That sounds gross. It's not that much better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think that's enough. Um, I don't know. I, I, I had fun, but, um, but no, it was a great sketch. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I love all three of those. It's his trilogy of, uh, musical medleys. Yeah. Um, they got some good uh, songs in this, but I like that it ended yeah. like plain to nowhere. I, I like the ending. Oh, the I know it was annoying so that Jake couldn't walk with them, but it also made sense. Like he spent, what I loved was that he got lifted off. Mm-hmm. In his like defying gravity parody, right, and then clearly had to wait while still hooked up to the wires <laughs> backstage, right, for the ending dance number where right. they He's could just like floating off camera, yeah, off camera, and they <laughs> have to float him back on stage, and he can't walk with them; he just has to like hang out. Well, right. Have you, you both seen um, Jake on um, as Mr. Music? Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, so what the thing with Mulaney was on Fallon last week? Like he. Did not know Jake before Mr. Music, so I think it's amazing that they become like sort of like friendly in this 
comedy sort of way. Yeah. Well, all three of them, because Byrne was on it, too. Like, mm-hmm. is well, this right, just yeah. John Mulaney, like, making friends? <laughs> I've got three friends that I'm going to reuse yeah. them over and over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but honestly, if they do that on SNL once a year, I will always yep. turn in, tune into that yep. episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his monologue. I mean, like, it, it's he is, like, the best <laughs> Right. <laughs> he doesn't have to be there to promote anything. No. There's no, like... There, there's no uh, character in the zeitgeist that he has to play. It's yeah. just he's going to give you seven minutes of good stand-up up top, and then uh, he'll and then he'll bring his weirdest ideas, which they can no longer say no to, which they could when he was a writer. <laughs> but it also only works because here's the other thing: if David, if Pete Davidson leaves the show, because because as much as we call these like uh, John Mulaney's musical you know, mm. uh, sketches. That's not what they are. They're John Mulaney sketches about Pete Davidson making <laughs> terrible decisions. Oh, that's, They happen to involve that. song and dance, but it's right. always Pete Davidson watch, walking into an establishment and doing something complete, mm-hmm. it, like, m- doing something taboo. That's true. And it, it is, I, I didn't think about that, but it is always Chris, uh, Pete Davidson saying, yeah, doing something dumb. Oh, my yeah. God. In, and in, ever, and like, yeah. To everyone being like, yeah. no. And then Chris Red is like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? We can't be friends now. Like, yeah. you can't do this. <laughs> this is somewhat TV related, but last week uh, in, in the world of entertainment um, writing, Pete Davidson was the biggest thing on the planet for like three days. <laughs> I don't know that it will ever happen again, but it was insane. Did you watch any of his stand-up special, Dan? Uh, not yet. I, yeah. I have to catch up on it. Was it good? I know he like talked a bunch of. I've seen all of the articles about the things he said. Yeah, yeah, that's but the like, thing. was it it's funny? Like, no, but it was <laughs> compelling because it's like I mean, because he was just it was like gossip, and you're like, yes, I want to hear the gossip, but it wasn't mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. It was like so. It like, was more just him being like, is he is he telling stories or is it still well, structured like a special? Sort of. I mean, the jokes don't work. He's not got a great delivery. He's very hard on himself in a very um, uncomfortable way. Yeah. Yeah. So is it? Is it? I, I guess since so I've never seen him do stand up, and I haven't watched it especially yet. Either, but, but but is it different than the way that he projects himself, like the persona he projects on, say, Weekend Update, where he's? Um, I think because in that he's he's fairly self deprecating, and he he kind of talks a lot of shit about himself. Yeah, um, but I think. He's, well, in this, you just want to hug him. He's just, like, talk shit about it. I mean, in, like, a hmm. sort of, like, depressed kind of way. I mean, he goes on about his breakup with Ariana Grande, and it's kind of funny, but also kind of really uncomfortable. Yeah, he seems like one of the guys who uses comedy as, like, much more um, therapy session. Yeah, yeah. Than, like, structured jokes. But also, on Weekend Update, he's still, like, sharing uncomfortable insights into his life, but because right. Colin Jost is there, like, he can... Even when he's ragging on himself, he's ragging on Colin harder. Right. So it makes <laughs> it it the, makes yeah. it all much more palatable. Right, right. It's the best thing about Colin date, uh, dating ScarJo is, like, he's made himself into an amazing punchline. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, well, that was our game. Um, I liked it. I mean, it, I go good. I, I had fun. Um, I don't know. 
who won. I don't think anybody I won. won. Did Dustin win? I mean, by <laughs> cheating, probably. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'll take it. Uh, but if anybody... <laughs> <laughs> so I guess then Dustin won, I guess. He will put it in the books. It'll go down as a Dustin win. Uh, he hashtag. won the game. There, like, there was no score for. Right. I <laughs> only used Dustin five cheats. words every time. Okay, we're, we're not playing anymore, Dustin. <laughs> and you used seven words that time, so take that. Uh, but if anybody has a rant, or if Dustin, you have a rant. Huh? I don't have a rant. All right, Tori, do you have a rant? Not this week. We're going to end rant list. Oh, no, I have a rant. Can I rant? Oh, yeah, yes. go for it. Okay, wait, I'm going to... rant list. I'm going to... Well, I, oh, you know what's funny? Okay, <laughs> seriously. Siri, on my phone... So, you know, I use my phone for the, the buzzer, which you'll hear in a moment. Okay. Um, Siri literally just suggested to me, start a timer for one minute. Why? Because, oh. Because I've been doing it every week. I know, it's so crazy. How so my phone has learned... That yes. I like to set a one-minute timer around this time on Monday nights. Yes, I get in the car at 4.30 on Mondays, and it's like 12 minutes to gymnastics. I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, see, my car, co- oh, I love, so it's not, yeah, my, my phone, like, even though I use Google Maps, like Apple Maps will occasionally be like, you know, we want you to pay attention to me. Um, but it's funny because I, I work from home. And so like anytime I'm anywhere other than home, as soon as I get into my car, yes. my phone is like, this is how long it takes you to get home. It's like, it knows like you're oh, not where it. you're supposed to be. And there's only one place you could possibly going, which is back to where you're supposed to be. <laughs> it's like, sun- maybe I have friends. Maybe I'm going someplace else before right. going home. Yeah. Dick. You don't know me, Siri. You don't know but me. But it does. I get in the car every Saturday around 2.30. It's like three minutes to the grocery store. I'm like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> well, you better turn that buzzer on before Siri comes for you, Well, Dan. it's super, it's weird because I didn't, this is the first time I've seen it, like legitimately. I mean, I mean I've seen other suggestions, but this is the first time it's given me the buzzer <gasps> suggestion. What so. else has it suggested? Uh, it's talked about like. Um, Does it get judgy? It doesn't get judgy, but it, it gets into, uh, like, I don't know, like like when I have, like, weekly appointments, like softball. So, like, it kind of says, it's, like, you know, it's time for softball. Yeah. yeah. It's like. That was our minute. <laughs> you're in dispatches from elsewhere, and you're being, con- your phone knows your entire social calendar. I am not. I am not the Jason Siegel character in Dispatches from Elsewhere. <laughs> I have a very varied life. We don't record this podcast every Monday, and then I don't play softball every Tuesday, and then I don't sit around not doing anything Wednesday to Sunday. My sushi comes from superior quality bodegas. That's right. There are actual Asians cutting my sushi. So um, that's the show <laughs> this week. <laughs> Uh, this one's a long one. It's going to be a long one. It, it has are. been a long one. Um, we thank you for listening. Chris Matthews no, we don't is apologize. done. What? Chris Matthews is fired. Oh, that's right. He got he. Well, he he's uh, he's retiring. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. His show has mysteriously uh, gone off the air. Yes. It's right. just ended. Don't forget to vote tomorrow. Dan, you vote tomorrow. Is the Vermont vote tomorrow? It's it, it will have been yesterday by the time this this oh, goes up on the internet. Yes, though. that's true. So. Uh, Dan will so have thank you already for, voted for Bernie. 
Thank you to, for having voted yesterday. I vote in the uh, Hawaii primary, so. Um, you do? Really? Yeah. How long yeah. have you been in California? Uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a show. <laughs> Thanks to Dustin and Tori. And uh, we'll be back next week. Um, and then, uh, you know, don't don't get sick. Stay, stay healthy. <laughs> that's a, that's a really? Sign. That's the note you're going to end? I don't know. Fucking coronavirus, man. You know, I don't want to be racially profiled. Jesus. You guys are all it's looking at me It's a TV podcast, and we're ending on epidemics and voter fraud. Good God. All right. Uh, watch Dispatches from Elsewhere. Yes. It's great. And Survivor. And Survivor. Yeah, watch Survivor. This is a Survivor podcast now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>